I'm Katie Quinn, and this is my show Q. Q is an interview show that talks about Missouri. I was born and raised in St. Louis, and now I go to the University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou. I'm just trying to get the word out there about what's going on in our state. I interview experts on issues that may have been unseen by the public. My name is Mo Dolvalar. I am the Legislative and Policy Associate for the ACLU of Missouri. Um, I do things like watch the session, the legislative session in Jeff City and the special session that we have going on right now. And, this week, um, I talked to Mo Dovalar. She works for the ACLU and keeps track of legislation that goes through Missouri. Lately, her focus has been on the special session that Missouri is a part of right now in Jefferson City. Police reform has been a part of multiple bills, but in ways that are more subtle to the public eye. She explains now in our interview. The whole area is Kansas City, um, so I watch city council and um, pay attention to the issues that are going on in the Kansas City area. Can you explain what police reform is? Well, uh, it's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, part of why the special session has been so difficult is because it is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, and coming to a sort of compromise has been difficult for a lot on both sides of the Senate and the House. Um, so for what people are looking for and what um, things we stand behind as far as legislation is concerned in um, the House or the Senate, we uh, stand behind bills that don't enforce mandatory minimum or don't mandate man mandatory minimums. Um, there was a bill that came out of the special session that was uh, putting into law, really writing down that you could certify children as young as 12 to serve their prison time in adult prisons. Um, there are things that people can disagree about as far as tactics or, um, you know, what type of funding may be available or should go to different resources to handle different types of problems. Um, but a lot of that just goes to what it is the individual community needs. And so, again, it's a complicated question. It's a simple question, but it has a, a lot of different sides. Have you seen any bills um, just come out of even the summer uh, dealing with police reform in your area? We have we have seen a couple of interesting things. Um, so the special session was start called by the governor in mid July, um, and it was called for the purposes of addressing violent crime. We do have um, high crime rates in Kansas City and St. Louis and Springfield and um, Jefferson City. Um, so these are issues that are very real and should be discussed at length, but um, there are things that have been asked for that have not been seen and were not put forward in this special session. Like I said, there was that juvenile bill that once it made it to the house was able to be reformed into something that could have been better, could have ensured that kids, if they needed to be certified, could get access to their GED uh, tracks or, or GED classes or college classes as necessary. 
um, to ensure that people are rehabilitated. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to think that we are talking about violent crime in two cities and the only types of bills that are coming forward don't touch on any of um, the long-standing issues that have been here. I mean, there was an introduction of a, of a bill to try to strip Kim Gardner of her concurrent, of her jurisdiction so that the Attorney General could have concurrent jurisdiction over murders. That could help, potentially, but is it helping for just one individual city? Um, we have to look at broader solutions and even in Kansas City, we have a lot of our own problems. Um, local control is a very big issue that is top of the mind for a lot of locals in Kansas City. We don't have control over our police department. It's um, kind of, it's very problematic in the time that we're living in right now where we need so many police reforms, um, so many ways that we can ensure people in power are using that power appropriately. This is going to be a complicated answer for you, um, and so you can just pick one area uh, to go off of this, but why do you think there is such high crime in urban areas? There is a variety of, of answers to that, but there's crime everywhere. Um, you know, like I said, there's crime in Springfield, and that's not just uh, high, uh, I would say, a big city <laughs> in comparison to other places. Uh, we still have rural crime. Um, the governor was a sheriff of a rural area, so he he saw how crime affected different areas. Um, I think that there are a lot of underlying issues that have been brought to the forefront beginning this summer. Um, I'm sorry, being even more inflamed this summer after concerns have been voiced for a very long time. Um, and it's it's reflected in things like that the state will admit to, for example, the vehicle stops report that the attorney, um, attorney general releases every single year. There are racial disparities that affect people that are black while driving in Missouri. Every year since it has started in 2000, since the data has been released, that, in, that disparity has grown over time. So these aren't new problems that um, people are starting to listen to. Um, it's crazy that you could be 90, 95% more likely to be pulled over because you're black while you're driving, while white counterparts are more likely to have just as equally or more likely to have counter uh, illegal items on them as their black and brown uh, counterparts. So these are underlying issues that fuel some of these fires that we need to um, address. There are problems with education, for example. Um, we hear about people moving out to the suburbs, taking the tax dollars out, so then the uh, schools in the city core are not funded appropriately. There is a variety of answers, um, but one of the solutions we think that should be brought to the table is police accountability as well. Has the state or local government addressed uh, these traffic stops, particularly um, that the number is so high with black and brown people, especially because the number is so low percentage-wise in Missouri? Like, there's only 10% uh, black people here mm -hmm. in Missouri. 
Uh, has the local and state government addressed this at all, or has it been silent? There uh, have part of the problem is that we don't have data that's backing up why these numbers are so high in difference. And like you said, the population is so low, it seems so stark when you really just look at it um, to have such a disproportionate amount of the population be pulled over constantly. Um, there was a bill that was brought up by Representative Shamed Dogan, who um, brought up a Fourth Amendment Affirmation Act, which would add penalties uh, for law enforcement agencies that do not adequately improve or explain their record around racial disparities in policing. But part of what we need behind that is the ability to have data that say, why, why have you pulled this person over? Um, and a lot of the times the data that we're getting is just the sex, the race, and the location of, of where it was that the offense or violation took place. So um, we need more information, and there are people making calls for more data and more accountability and more transparency. But this is just a very slow-moving, uh, slow-moving boulder, uh, and people are trying. And like you said, it, it's just glaring when you compare it to the population. Is racism prevalent among police? I think it's an overall problem that we have to look at in every industry. I mean, you look at corporations, you look at um, police unions, you look at uh, labor unions, you look at all Hollywood, you look at all kinds of places. And right now, there are racist things that are happening. Um, police are among that, and people need to be able to look internally and try to make things better as organizations and as cities because things need to get better, not just because a bad thing has happened or, or because the wrong, uh, wrong choice was made that day by a variety of players um, that are coming forward right now. Um, but the, the answer is not to have less information from what it is that the police are doing and the reasons that they're doing it. There's been a lot of talk lately about uh, use of excessive force. Has there been any bills being talked about right now about uh, trying to regulate excessive force um, in Missouri? There was a bill introduced in the Senate by um, or by Senator Williams that was trying to bring about things like a ban to no-knock warrants or um, limitations to who could be considered a police officer and falls under certain um, protections and liabilities and um, ensuring that police officers on duty do not overuse their power um, and their authority that they have and the duty that they have and the responsibility that they have to the people and communities that they serve. Um, and, and there have been calls on both sides but the special session that the governor um, insisted continues on today does not address any of these things that we've discussed. It doesn't talk about any of the uh, prison rates and disparities, any of the um, racist <laughs> information that we see in traffic stops and disparities there. Um, it doesn't talk about the number of people that are being held in prisons and jails and how that uh, is running into a secondary issue with coronavirus and the spread of COVID in such tight spaces with overcrowded prisons and jails. 
why is the government turning a blind eye to these issues? It's a very good question. I think there's a lot of people that you have to ask for that. Um, a lot of things, like I said, build up to that. Uh, we know that Governor Carson um, could do things in the realm of uh, trying to control coronavirus in prisons, as an example. Um, he could okay commutations for people who um, are particularly vulnerable or whose sentences are ending soon, those who fall under those immunocompromised um, lists, so that people being held on technical crimes, um, crimeless supervision crimes for parole or probation are let go so that people can be safer within the communities and within the prisons themselves. Uh, police can also stop arresting people for minor offenses for is and, and issue citations so that people don't have to come into prisons. Even in Kansas City just now, they um, yesterday approved in city council that people who get traffic citations don't have to come to court anymore. Those are little things, but in a time of when it is disproportionately affecting certain people and those people are also more susceptible to coronavirus right now, those are some of the little steps that are moving forward. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm gathering that um, it has to be a group effort. Um, everybody has to be on board. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there are areas where people agree, um, or people that you may not think usually do, do agree. Um, for example, during special session, we had those uh, juvenile certification bills and amendments that were trying to write into the law that children of those 12 years old could be um, certified as adults and serve in adult prison. What we know is in 2017, 72%, uh, 74% of the children that were certified were black. And again, like you said earlier, the population is so low, only 20-something percent, only a quarter of the children that committed crimes that year that would warrant a certification were white. That's disproportionate to a, a crazy uh, degree. And um, people recognize that. And so um, we had people backing this bill that included the, or supporting this bill that included the FOP and the um, Public Defender's Office. Because it really does take people at all levels. There is the governor, there are the police on the front line, there are the prosecutors that don't have to request cash bail. Um, there are people, uh, the judges that can uh, make decisions on lighter sentences as necessary. There are sheriffs that need to ensure that their facilities are clean and empty and safe as possible, that hygiene products are available to everyone. There's people all across the board that need to um, ensure that the process is moving as smoothly as possible. And that extends to the communities that are around these prisons, jails, and other facilities, government buildings, <laughs> just places that we all need to go to continue um, moving forward as we all try to do so during COVID. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate the interview. Thanks for joining me today for my show on police reform and crime legislation. For updates on this story, follow me at KDQ News on Instagram and Twitter. Next week, listen in to learn about the federal government's program, Farmers to Families. As always, remember, question everything.